Chapter 23. Looking Beyond Fear Most of our mistaken notions and misunderstandings concerning God begin with fear. We've kept fear front and center in our incorrect fatherhood equation. Fear of God is the chief cause of our unbelief. More than any other single factor, it keeps us from knowing the Father intimately. After the cross, fear is to be no more. The lies have been unmasked, their power broken. Paul wrote to Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He is not a father to be hidden from, run from, or feared. Despite knowing this truth as well as we do, most of us continue allowing the lying rascal to hang around, misting over our vision with fog from the low places, whenever we try to look up toward the Father's face. Now, it is true that the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. However, we don't understand what a right and proper fear of the Lord is. Thus, instead of it bringing us wisdom and intimacy with the Father, it keeps us from both. Fear to the earthbound senses results from something terrifying or painful. Fear of God, as felt by most, fills us with a gnawing sense that he is waiting to pounce when we do wrong. Punishment is the inevitable result. Nagging images of Dante's hell contribute to this incorrect equation. Even Christians, knowing that hell is out there somewhere, even if perhaps not for them, allow it to miscolor their vision of the Father as a celestial policeman, judge, prison warden, and grim, unflinching torturer of the wicked. Beginning from a wrong perspective, how can our approach to God be anything but timid and fearful? This is the same lie that fear first told Adam in Genesis 3. God is going to level his wrath on you the minute he sees you. Hide from him. It's your only chance. And we're still listening. We've got the formula of fatherhood incorrect. The minute we do wrong, we make God the enemy who is after us, rather than embracing him as our salvation and refuge from the true enemy, our sin. We don't know our Father very well, nor do we know how properly to fear him. Fear can be a normal and healthy thing. God placed fear inside us. He put it there for our protection. Before he can swim, a child's natural fear of the water protects him from drowning. But once he has learned to swim, that fear is replaced by the capacity to fully enjoy the water, along with a respect for it. He knows, appreciates, and understands the water, its power, even its danger. But he is no longer frightened of it nor afraid to venture near it. 
In the absence of any other response to God, fear is a useful place to begin. Fear is rudimentary, a beginning, a response of childhood, but something that is cast aside when spiritual adulthood comes. Fear of punishment is likewise a response of spiritual childhood, useful for training as far as it goes, but unable to guide you more than a step or two along the path. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Better to fear God than ignore Him. Disobeying God indeed does bring fearsome consequences. A lifetime's independence from Him. A lifetime spent ignoring the calls of His voice. A lifetime spent pleasing only oneself. A lifetime's disobedience of His commands. A lifetime's sin. We do well to tremble at the consequences of such foolishness. What we need to fear, however, is the consequences of sin not the Father who can rescue us from that sin altogether. Adam's initial response was correct. He had sinned. He did well to fear. The fear, however, ought to have been directed at his disobedience and what it indicated about his own heart, not toward the Father. Given what he had done, his father was his only refuge from what was inside him. His own rebellion was the enemy, not God. Hell awaits those who persist in ignoring God. But they should not fear their father. He is their salvation. There are two kinds of fear, God's and the devil's. The fear that properly encourages us toward relationship with our Father is the fear of Genesis 2, a fear established by God's design, the loving awe with which we are to honor, respect, and obey Him. Such fear is indeed the beginning of wisdom. Obey me, says our Father, so that you will know life. Walk with me and all I have made is yours. Genesis 3 fear, on the other hand, came not from the loving Father's heart, but from the twisted and prideful heart of the enemy. Hide from him, says the lie. If he finds you, he will kill you. If we live in Genesis 3, fearful of God, how will we ever learn to walk with him in the coolness of the day? If the lie of fear builds the house of our faith, how can God's fatherhood find a home within us? If the bricks in the walls of our spiritual abodes are mortared together with hide-from-him fear, how can they withhold the lying whispers of the enemy? Why are we so reluctant to accept the image of the Father that Jesus himself gave. What would have been God's response had Adam run to him instead of fleeing in fear? Run to him 
to confess his wrong. We know what it would have been. Did not Jesus himself tell us in Luke 15, 18 through 23? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Fear is only the beginning of wisdom. O God, our Father, why are we so hesitant to accept you as Jesus described you? Open our eyes to see the exuberant and unreserved love of your fatherhood. Let us fear our sin, but never you. And may that fear send us running straight into your loving arms.